Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I think that you are going to love this podcast, which is why we're having it on Valentine's Day, even though I think y'all love every podcast we do here on Xander's Facts. This one, though, is a good one. This week on episode 133, we are talking basketball. Because as you all know, the Super Bowl, football season, that happened on Sunday. Football season is over now. And so that usually means that a lot of Fairweather fans tend to move over towards basketball. Now, if you're a Fairweather fan, I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying that's what's happening. So if you are not as well versed in professional basketball at this stage in mid-February, no fear, because we have our very own Sanders Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, who is back on the podcast this week to update you all on the NBA as we come up this weekend is the All-Star Game. So it's a great time to have a little NBA season update. That's what we got coming for you this week on the podcast. Before we get to that, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 133, rate and review the podcast, check us out on all the socials, threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Zaders Facts, that is Zader with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all of your friends, spread the facts, y'all, tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts. If you didn't know, that's a recap of the week's top headlines. It comes out every Sunday morning. If you're not signed up, sign up in this episode's description. The link is there. Check it out. It is free to sign up. Also, check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It's also linked to this episode's description because that has all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including where to find all past 132 episodes of the podcast, usually probably wherever you're listening to this podcast, but make sure if you've missed any of our past episodes and you're interested in them to go back and listen to any of our past 132 podcast episodes, wherever you get your podcasts, including last week's Super Bowl preview. I know it's already happened, but you just might want to go take a look at my prediction that I made last week. Spoiler alert. It was a pretty fact-filled prediction. So we're not talking about football anymore. We are talking about basketball and I want to get straight to our Zaders Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, he is back on the podcast this week providing an update on the NBA season with just about two months to go before the playoffs begin. So it's a big time. Time to get to basketball, y'all. Let's get to it as we are talking NBA season update with our Zaders Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly, right here as the Zaders Facts podcast continues. Sanders Facts. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 133 of the Sanders Facts podcast. As I told y'all previously, football season is over, which means now everybody is talking about basketball. And the one man who has been watching basketball this whole time is joining us on the podcast this week. Our very own Sanders Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, is returning for another edition on the podcast. Hillbilly, how are you? Um, I'm super happy to be here. 
Super happy. Oh my gosh. Super, so super know, duper happy. The Super Bowl was on Sunday. Hillbilly doesn't know that because he didn't watch the Super I watched, Bowl. I watched a little bit of it. A little, a little. Did you watch the end overtime? We watched like the first quarter. No, I didn't say any of that. It was actually a really good game. Like it went down to the over, That's like the end of overtime. It was the second longest game in NFL history. I hear there's some griping about the uh, the announcing, too. Ooh, yeah, I don't know, Jim! Everything was covered, it really was, and he has to get around the hands. He wanted to throw, that looked a little Mahomey on that one, too. And- anyway, we're going into basketball right now. It's a good time to talk about basketball, because they do this thing where the NBA All-Star game is a week after the Super Bowl now, so it gives us like a little break where it's a good time to finally catch up on basketball. And that's what Hillbilly's going to do for us this week on the podcast. We're going to talk about... What Hillbilly thinks are the biggest surprises in the NBA, good surprises, your teams are doing well, bad surprises, your teams might not want to be on that list, not doing so well, the biggest storylines that are going on, the trade deadline just happened last week too, records have been broken in the NBA this season, there's been a ton going on that we have to catch you all up on, on this NBA catch-up podcast with our Xander's Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly. We would not have anyone else talk about basketball with us than Hillbilly. So let's just get into it, Hillbilly. Your five good surprises. I think that's how we're going to structure this podcast this week. Hillbilly's five good surprises, his five bad surprises. And then, of course, we've got other things to talk about, too. But the teams that have done... Better than expected, or maybe not better than Hillbilly expected, because Hillbilly knows what was going to happen at the beginning of the season, so he knew these teams were going to be good. We can start out in the Western Conference, though. One of our other Xander's Facts basketball people on this podcast, Andrew, would have liked this. The Oklahoma City Thunder are number one on your list, Hillbilly, for probably good reason. They are tied for second right now in the West. They're just a half game back, 36-17, and is their record. They lead the league in field goal percentage, blocks per game, and deflections. They're second in that rating. They're third in three-point percentage, fourth in steals, and they're fifth in offensive and defensive rating. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is an all-star starter, and he leads the league in steals. But from what you've seen, Hillbilly, how have the Thunder maintained their consistency at the top of the West this season? Because it hasn't been like they just got there. They've been there this whole time. Yeah, they've been either first or tied for first or second for at least a, at least a month or two now. And it's really remarkable to see it. I mean, you know, we knew at the beginning of the season when we did the preseason show that the Thunder were really in an incredible position to do really well, really quickly with a really young team. Um, what I don't think anybody really realized was just how good Chet Holmgren was going to get and how quickly. I think we figured he would probably be a good defensive player right off the bat. It turns out he's a great defensive player immediately. And then he's also just very, very talented offensively, which is, I think, the part that really caught you know most people by surprise. He's still shooting you know, almost 40% from the three-point line. Um, shooting well over 50% for field goals. He's just, he's doing it really well. And they have kind of gotten away with being able to play him at center, which, you know, he's a real mismatch for a lot of, a lot of centers out there. So, you know, you look at just how good this team is and how quickly 
they've gotten there. And it really is remarkable. I mean, Shea Gilgis, you, you said at the introduction to him that, you know, he's going to be in the all-star game. I mean, he's pretty much a lock to be a first team all NBA player at this point. Now that Embiid's out of the discussion, which we'll talk about later, he is probably in the top three for MVPs right now. He's just one of the best players in the league. And, you know, we talked about him at the end of last year a little bit too, talking about how he's already a good enough player to be the best player on a championship winning team. And this year he's just, he's doing what he did again last year, but even better and just showing that's, that's who he is. But yeah, the remarkable thing is guys like Jalen Williams, who is in his second year and Chet Holmgren already putting in like all-star caliber seasons and how good they are now. But each one of them is kind of showing that they're at least going to develop into players that can be at a minimum, I think, the second or third best player on a championship winning team. And it's starting to look like maybe they're already there. The stats that you brought up in the beginning are dominant for any team. It's just the fact that they're doing it so young, it's kind of reminds you of the last time the Thunder were good. Um, they've got this amazing <laughs> young talent, and we'll see if they're better at keeping it together now. But one thing that they have that the Oklahoma City team didn't have with Kevin Durant, Westbrook, and Harden is a mountain of draft picks still. You know, they already have the players. They're already demonstrating it this year that they have the players on the roster now to do it. But they have all of these draft picks coming up. and you know, they're able to use that to help, you know, keep the roster together or, you know, help keep the machine kind of going. They're able to do things like take slight little risks on someone like Gordon Hayward, which they just picked up at the uh, trade deadline, you know, who, you know, he's a player that if everyone remembers, big time college player was doing great in the NBA. Then he got injured uh, playing for the Celtics in his very first game as a Celtic. Um, And everyone's kind of forgotten about him because he doesn't, play that he only plays about half the time now but while he's playing he's still really productive and the thunder only had to use a second round draft pick to get him it's really brilliant moves like that to bring got bringing guys like that in which is why they're competitive now well can i ask you a question has chet played lebron james yet in the nba yes you remember last year the man is still a, well. The man is still a twig, but and and actually, the, and the Lakers have given them trouble because they still are figuring out with the bigger teams with players like Anthony Davis and Minnesota's uh, Rudy Gobert. He can have a little bit of trouble with guys that are like that big and strong. You know, someone like Embiid can just kind of put them in the rim, uh, but he's better than at least I thought he would be about kind of compensating for that. And I think he's played basically every game. He might have missed one or two games so far this season. So been really resilient too. That is pretty good. He just needs to get rid of the facial hair because it looks disgusting. He has had four blocks in a game this season, though. Only a man named Victor Wembenyama has more blocks this season. Yet Victor Wembenyama is not leading his team to the success that uh, Chet Holmes. No, and he's not shooting with the same efficiency, and he's not doing some... Like some of the things that Holmgren does so well, like when he gets the ball and he's got a little bit of space for a three-pointer, but his guy's closing out, closing out on him, he makes that decision like instantaneously. Do I have time for the shot or do I need to 
you know, try to attack the closeout. And he makes the decision, he makes the correct decision really quickly. And it's stuff like that, that especially at his age, um, he, he just really has a lot of advantages. And Chet also is fourth in the NBA in blocks per game. He's averaging 2.6 per game this season, which is kind of crazy for, I guess, is he technically a rookie? Because he didn't play he last season, but it's his second year. Like, he didn't play at all season. last season, so it's just like Embiid. Yeah, that's oh yeah, that's true. Okay, well, and, Embiid Embiid also missed his first year, and then he had his rookie year late. And you know, it's funny because when they're compare, the inevitable comparison is to Victor Wembanyama, who the Spurs are. There's absolutely zero reason to watch that team at all because it's awful <laughs> this year, except for him because he is so remarkable. And of course, there's going to be, we're seeing now when we see just how good Chet is, that this looks like a budding rivalry, you know, for a long time. And the rookie of the year race is really interesting. You know, towards the beginning of the year, I think it looked like Chet had it sewn up, but I think that Wembenyama's really kind of caught up. Um, Wembenyama gets, you know, he has higher usage. So he's going to have more of the counting stats, like he has more points and everything. But the the comparison, you know, he's not as efficient as Holmgren is, and he's not really playing within, or not at least demonstrating that he's playing within a system as well. But yeah, the Spurs are last in the West. They have ten wins on the season. That's a one point one eight nine winning percentage, which is only third worst. They're only ahead of the Pistons, who had a record tying twenty eight game losing streak this season. Uh oh, and the Wizards. Yeah. Who are only a game ahead of the Pistons. Yeah. And you know, the really sad thing about the the Pistons and the Wizards is that you know, when it came up with a list of disappointments, I don't have them on there, despite them being that awful. Because it's not a disappointment. <laughs> it's exactly what I expected. <laughs> you know? So that's but but the Spurs have been interesting to watch because they've been doing some really kooky stuff. Like they started the beginning of the season playing Jeremy Sohan, who is a forward, kind of like almost like a power forward at point guard. And he can't shoot at all. Um, And so it's just kind of a weird experiment that he was running. And, you know, it's just, I thought that Popovich would have more of an urgency to win, given his age. You know, that he, but they really seem to be taking a very, very long-term approach in San Antonio, so... You would think he's um, he's 75 years old. But um, one of the big players you mentioned against Chet earlier this season was Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are first right now in the West, 36 and 16. Actually, earlier this season on February 7th, which was less than or it was a week ago from this podcast coming out, we had four teams that were tied atop of the West. We had the Clippers, the Thunder the Timberwolves, and the Nuggets. They all had the same record. They were tied atop the Western Conference. On February 7th, which is the latest into a season that four or more teams were tied for first in a conference in NBA history. How about that? So the Thunder, they may be like third on the list, but they're right there, and so were the Nuggets and the Clippers. But the Timberwolves right now, he'll really hold the first spot because they have Rudy Gobert, who has helped the team Mm -hmm. lead the league in defensive rating but they also are second in three-point percentage. This is true. Thanks to players like Anthony Edwards. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch the Timberwolves. I mean, I I was felt the same way as a lot of people when they picked up Gobert and spent so much to get him. You know, giving up basically their entire draft future to Utah and a really good player in Walker Kessler to get Rudy. It's just a guy who can't play any offense. And then last year, it seemed like we were all right. It was just a really stupid move. And then this year, all of a sudden, it clicks into place. I think part of it is that Gobert is healthier than he was last year. And all of a sudden, they have this just dominating defense that is really just shutting teams down. And they've got two seven-footers that they have figured out how to keep on the field or on the court the whole time. Anthony Edwards is coming along. Um, He's really starting to... You know, everyone's been kind of talking about him as a future star for for a couple of years now, and this is the year where he's really starting to put it together. You know, his he's got his three point shot is right under forty percent now, which is a significant improvement over what he had been doing. You know, his free throw percentage, all of his percentages are going up. He's becoming a more efficient player while when he as he gets older, and while he's also scoring more points. So he's just doing all the things that you expect to see an ascending star do and is a ton of fun to watch. You know, you still kind of worry about the Timberwolves a little bit as far as being a contender later, just because of who's running the offense. They rely on Mike Conley so much, and he does a good job for them. But Mike Conley, I mean, if you can remember him back, he was the point guard with Greg Oden at Ohio State. Whoa. You know, he's been in the league for a really long time, and they really depend on him. And when he's out, their offense has just been awful. And in low, I'm sorry, in close end of game scenarios, they don't perform as well as they might kind of worry about their offensive ability going in to the playoffs, you know, as as defenses really get a chance to clamp down on it. But they are fun to watch and the defense is just amazing. And Mike Conley's fifth in the league in three point percentage. He's almost at 45%. He's playing really well. The, the the problem isn't the way he's playing. It's just how reliant on him they are because Anthony Edwards isn't really going to be that kind of play facilitator like Conley is and certainly not going to be Cat and Gobert is you really don't want him running the offense. No, he's better inside. He's got he's second in the league in rebounds per game at 12 and a half. But well, I was just going to say he is he is remarkable. You know, he is pretty much got a stranglehold on defensive player of the year. Right already, like unless he really falls off, he, he I think he's got it this year. He's not even an all star, which just goes to show. Even the coaches didn't vote him on to the reserves, mm-hmm. which I thought was surprising because he's he's obviously so valuable to this team. You look at the turnaround, but I guess it's just offense is you know what's most important. Yeah, the fact that he's only averaging thirteen points a game. Basically, yeah, but he's basically single-handed. Well, not single-handedly, but been by far the biggest reason they have the best defense in the league, too, or are consistently ranked towards that. I think uh, you mentioned it, but a common characteristic those first two teams have on your good surprises is, at least for me, that I wouldn't count on these teams to be contenders later in the season. Especially when you look at the other teams we have in the West. One of them, who I think we're going to talk about in a little bit on the good surprises, but the Thunder and the Timberwolves, both of whom, 
you remember the Timberwolves? Was it last year the Timberwolves won the play-in game and then they celebrated like the NBA Finals? Yeah. It just goes to yeah. show that these teams don't have, they haven't been to the Western Conference Finals or the NBA playoffs be- or the finals before. And we saw the Grizzlies the last couple of years who were finishing second in the West. They yep. didn't have the experience and then they faltered in the playoffs. They also had a lot of injuries and their John Morant was in the middle of floating. But well, <laughs> and now, yeah, and now the Grizzlies, we're not going to talk about the Grizzlies because they're not worth mentioning right now. Not this year. You know, but I will say with the Timberwolves, I, you know, and the, and the Thunder, as far as being contenders go, you know, it seems it's unlikely, but it also does happen every so often where a team just ascends very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then like the Warriors did. Where, you know, uh, one month you have Charles Barkley saying a jump shooting team could never win the finals. And then all of a sudden it's like they just rewrote the NBA and things are different, you know. And of those two teams, I do see the Thunder as being a little bit more like that. I mean, if they're kind of zagging while the rest of the league is zigging with, you know, size and they figured something out where having a mobile big like Holmgren out there. They can just run all of these other centers down. Who knows what that's going to do in the playoffs? It's it's really unlikely that either one of those teams has the maturity and the experience to do it. Like they, those teams don't know how hard it is to play in the playoffs yet, and you know how deep you have to go, I guess. But they both do seem to really be ascending quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Who knows what could happen? We've got two months left in the regular season too. I mean, these teams could absolutely falter. At the, to end the regular yeah, season. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see either one. Of, I mean, the the Thunder have trailed off recently. Um, it just it kind of seems like they're having a harder time getting up for every game. It'll be interesting to see that what happens because again, like you saw with the transition from the Heat and the Spurs, who were the two dominant teams when LeBron was with Miami, to immediately the next year, Golden State sweeping the Cavs with LeBron and just changing the nba how that shift happened there could be a shift this year we'll never we will find out we'll talk about that later on when you're back on the podcast closer to the playoffs let's go to the east now for a little bit and talk about the number one team in the east who have the best record in the nba the boston celtics who are five games ahead of the second place team who's also on this good surprises list so we'll talk about them in a little bit but they also lead the league the celtics who were one game away from the NBA Finals last year, represented the East in the Finals two years ago. They're first in rebounds, blocks per game, three-pointers made, net rating, and 40% of their points come from three-pointers, which is also number one in the league. But Hillbilly, they're the only one of two teams who are in the top five of the net rankings, the offensive rating, and defensive rating this season the thunder are also the other it's a fact the celtics because of their roster makeup you trust the celtics a lot more yeah well kind of um i you know i I worry about the celtics when it comes to injuries and i do still have some lingering doubts about how they're going to perform in late games in the playoffs because they still show a lot of the same stupid stuff they do but you know, those numbers do tell the story that, that you uh, recited earlier. I mean, they have been from start to finish 
easily the most consistent team in the NBA this year. I mean, they're just winning regularly. They're putting away the bad teams. They're competing well against the good teams. They don't really have any holes in their six-man lineup. It's just after that six-man that you start to worry a little bit because that's when you start to get into the Luke Cornets of the world who can be okay, but not necessarily. And one of those six players is Al Horford, who's, I think, 72 years old this year. I mean, just he's been around forever. And the other <laughs> is Kristaps Porzingis, who typically gets injured late in the year, every year. And, you know, we'll see. Hopefully that won't happen because Porzingis has just been absolutely fantastic for them. I mean, he's really been everything that we thought he was going to be back in his New York Knicks days. Um, he's really kind of recuperated his career here, um, you know, putting up over 20 points a game on a on a team that has a lot of good scorers on it. Um, so that Jason Tatum really can kind of that helps him out a ton too. They just kind of have everything going on right now. Um, but you know, I, I was watching them play the Nuggets a few weeks ago, and it was a game in Boston. It came right down to the wire. The Celtics had the ball with just a couple seconds left to go, but enough to get a playoff. They get it to Tatum, and rather than drive strong to the rim, he just he does get in the paint, but he does this stupid little fall away where he's obviously just trying to draw a foul. And everybody knows he's going to do it, so nobody fouls him. And it just puts up this pathetic shot at the end that bounces off, and they lose. And, you know, it's just that kind of stuff that the Celtics have been doing for years that really make me kind of wonder if they are really as dominant as everybody thinks. But they have been very dominant for the regular season, surprisingly so. They're better than I thought they would be, you know, given how shallow their depth is. It's, and they're a lot of fun to watch because they play a really, a really nice brand of basketball. I'll tell you, because I watched, on Sunday, Boston played Miami. Miami has kind of been middling along the season. They're 28 and 25. They're eighth in the East. They had a seven-game losing streak earlier this year, which for some teams might not be you know, so bad. But that's their worst since 2008, which goes to show you how good Miami's been for a while. It w- but in the game against Boston, they were without Jimmy Butler. And it was a four-point game. Boston won. but with who Miami had on the floor and who Boston had on the floor, you would have expected Boston to kind of roll mm-hmm. a little more. They were favored by more points than they won. But in the fourth quarter, what could have been consequential, Miami was in it until the end. Jalen Brown does something silly with Duncan Robinson, a little hook and a hold. And right. Robinson gets thrown to the ground. Jalen Brown gets a flagrant foul. Number one, and I think it goes to show you how, Championship teams need good coaching. You can't have a bad coach coaching a championship team. I'm not saying Joe Mazzulla is a bad coach, but I'm just saying that that's what Boston needs, at least right now. Because things like that, that Jalen Brown did, especially if the Heat and the Celtics meet up again in the playoffs, which is certainly possible, those things will cost you in the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, I think that... I I mean, it's tough to tell with Missoula just how good a coach he is, but I don't know how strong a presence he really is there. And Boston's the kind of team where, you know, when you have your best player is a guy like Tatum, 
that isn't necessarily like your vocal leader in the team. I don't know that he's has that strong, you know, gravity and presence about him that a lot of the really great players do, or at least it just kind of hasn't shown yet. I mean, he seems like a really good teammate and, and obviously a fantastic player, but just that kind of guy that's going to make sure that everybody is on and focused, you know, when, when it's time and when it really matters. And so if the coach isn't either that, you know, maybe that's part of what's been going on with Boston over the years. But I mean, the other thing to remember is, you know, we've, we get spoiled with Boston. They're good every single year. So it feels like Tatum's been around forever. He's only 25 years old. You know, I mean, he hasn't even really entered his prime compared to, you know, the typical arc of an NBA player. He's just coming into it. I think Jalen Brown's only like a year older than so, you know, it's they're still actually getting better, probably, and probably more mature and smarter. Hopefully, we'll see that in the playoffs for them. But, you know, I think the heat game that they had is just kind of a that's what to expect. Like, if, if those two teams meet up in the playoffs, I, I don't, I mean, good stuff. Yeah, I remember, good stuff. you know, when like the year that the Bucks won the, the championship, they did demolish the heat in the playoffs that year. But typically, that's not what happens. Typically, the Heat are very competitive until you really just finally beat them to death. You know, like last year in the championship game, yeah, they were just beat by that point. But I mean, they really had, like, they went out fighting as much as they could. And, you know, you expect that. Like, if they're in a playoff series with Boston this year, it's going to be a knockdown, dragout fight that I think Boston would probably win, but I think Miami would have a good shot at it. Listen, that would be the third year in a row they met in the playoffs because they've met in the Eastern Conference Finals the last two years in a row. But back to your good surprises list, Billy. Number four on this list we have to go back to the Western Conference for is the Los Angeles Clippers, who are tied with the Thunder for second. They're only a half game back of the Timberwolves. Russell Westbrook is on that team. Russell Westbrook isn't even, you know, one of the best players they have on the team, but he is still, here's a fact for you, the second player in NBA history to have 25,000 career points, 9,000 career assists, and 8,000 career rebounds, LeBron James. So it's nice to have him on your team with James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, who was third in three-point percentage and fourth in steals in the league, and Paul George, who was fifth in three-pointers made this season for a team that is first in the league, Hillbilly, in three-point percentage and is right at the top of the West, which you would expect if you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on your team. Yeah, well, if you have a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on your team, which we just never have. You know, if you remember last year, I picked the Clippers beginning to go all the way because I just, I thought like eventually they have to have a healthy year. And that when they do, they're so good that, you know, they, I don't know that anyone is better than them in the West. I mean, maybe the Nuggets, but I, I don't know. Um, the way Kawhi is playing this year is just, it's absolutely incredible to watch him. He is every bit as good as any player in the league right now. He, he's not in the MVP running. And shockingly, they gave first team or a starting all-star nod to LeBron over Kawhi, which is a tragedy. LeBron was Kawhi's the captain. Much he wasn't just a starter. It's, he was the captain. It's so, it's so stupid. Kawhi is so much more oh. valuable for his team this oh year. It's not gosh. even close. 
And so, you know, it's, it stinks to watch that, but you know, everyone that's watching, like you said, he's not just really high in three point percentage this year where he's shooting 40, 45.5% on a pretty high volume scoring, you know, over 24 points a game. Um, his field goal percentage for someone that's typically in the perimeter is at 52.8%, which is fantastic. He's rebounding, but you know, I forget what you said. If he was like third or fourth in steals, he's back to being that defensive player that can just shut someone down. The Thunder, who, you know, obviously I can't, you know, gush enough about, when they went to LA to play him a couple weeks ago, Kawhi was on Shea at the end of the game and he just shut Shea Gilgis Alexander down, which nobody has been able to do that all year. He's good for 30 points every game. He's just it's remarkable how much how much it's come together with the James Harden trade, with Russell Westbrook accepting his position, you know, on the bench. They're just full of talent, ton ton of fun to watch. They're well coached. It can't help but root for them. I mean, the poor Clippers with the one of the worst histories in the NBA. Um, yeah. So it's it's a good season, and you know, it's uh, it's it's just fun to watch them. And they're getting a new arena pretty soon, right next to the. Uh what is it called? The SoFi Stadium football. It's right. First off, I don't understand. They have the forum right there, but they're building a new yeah. arena. Why not just build that there? Know. I don't know. But they are getting a new arena, which apparently is going to be very fancy. You know, Steve Ballmer, richest, if not one of the richest owners in the NBA, is going to make it all fancy. Oh, no, he's the richest owner in the NBA. I think he's the richest owner of any team, major league team. In America, that was a fact. But they'll have that pretty soon. So that this is, and if those two players can obviously start to build, perhaps a championship-winning team, it could happen this year. It could happen next year. But that's a good way to open a new arena and separate yourself, because when they play in Staples Center, they have to cover up all the Laker banners. You know, yeah, it's really sad. I, whoever's job that is, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, and and they've got a team to root for. You know, I mean, they play really tough. It's really easy to root for them, at least in my experience. I've I've watched a lot of Clippers this year, and I'm normally not a fan of James Harden at all. He's playing so good right now. He should be an all-star himself. I mean, he's he's right at that level. And I think it helps to the fact that in Philly, he was one of two guys. It was him and Embiid, and now it's he's third behind Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. And they've got other really good players on that team too. Um, that, that's like Amir Coffey is a great guy coming off their bench that every time they put him in there, he looks really good. Terrence Mann, they still have. They've, they've been unwilling to trade him off, which has been a good move because he's a really good player. Zubats plays well for him in the middle. They've just other guys like Norman Powell coming off the bench, who's just a very accomplished scorer. They're just a very well put together team. Next season is when the Intuit Dome is going to open for the Clippers. How about that? So number five now on Hillbilly's good surprises. You want to be on this list because you're doing pretty well. The team that as of Monday night, when we're recording this podcast, Monday, February 12th, holds the longest active winning streak in the NBA at nine games. The Cleveland Cavaliers, who are second in defensive rating in the league. Now they're second in the wet in the East, five games back of the 
Celtics. That probably goes to show you how good the Celtics have been this year because the Cavaliers are 35 and 16. Donovan Mitchell is second in the league in steals per game. He's fifth in points per game. And admittedly, Hillbilly, I haven't watched many Cleveland Cavaliers games. So how how have they been able to finally put it together? Because this is what they envisioned when they traded for Donovan Mitchell a couple years ago. Yeah, I think this is pretty close to it, being a firmly in contention for a championship run, which I think is where they are. And it's crazy because if you had checked in about two months or a month and a half ago or so, you would have thought they were about to trade one of their major players, uh, maybe even Donovan Mitchell, just because things were not going well at all. It was really kind of a disappointment. And then Evan Mobley gets hurt. Darius Garland get, gets hurt. And you think, well, now they really are going to tank. Like maybe they'll trade away Evan Mobley. Who knows? It's just not working out. And then Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell figure something out together. They go on this crazy winning streak where they are just destroying teams by like 30 points. It, It seems like every night I turn them on, they're just destroying the team in front of them. And then now we've gotten Evan Mobley back and Darius Garland have come back and they have while they were gone, it's kind of like the team figured it out. And so a little bit worried when those players came back, like, are they still going to have that kind of, are they going to be able to gel like that? And they've come back and just found their roles. Uh, Evan Mobley's finally shooting three pointers so that they can stretch out the floor. Um, it's, it's really, really encouraging to watch them. And I'll tell you, their, their coach really deserves a lot of the credit for it you know, and making that happen and finally seeing how to get this team that, you know, from a roster construction standpoint, they have a lot of redundancies. You know, I mean, Evan Mobley is a lot like Jared Allen and Darius Garland is a lot like Donovan Mitchell. And that's not typically a good thing for, you know, your four best players to be that much like each other. But they've managed to figure it out. And they are right now in an East that doesn't have a lot of stability outside of Boston, they are right up there. I mean, if something, I don't know that I could see them beating Boston in a seven game series, but if like Porzingis were to get hurt, the Cavs are one of the teams that could kind of swoop in, take advantage of the vacuum at the top and make it to the finals. Okay. It's kind of interesting. You kind of like, I kind of think of them as the thunder of the East, but the Cavs have more experience maybe not playoff experience but even in donovan mitchell's donovan mitchell's one of the best playoff performers in nba history i mean you look at his numbers in the playoffs and he's right up there with like the kobe bryant's and the michael jordan's of the world spider just incredible playoff performance so you know what he's or you know what he's capable of doing at least but yeah i mean they are i mean you know they've they've both got a lot of young teams i mean donovan mitchell's still a young player it's just remember that while those two teams are that close to each other, the Thunder are also sitting on a mountain of draft cap. Like <laughs> the same amount that a team like Detroit has, who has nothing. <laughs> you know? They could, they um, could draft Ronnie. Yeah, they, well, they could waste a draft pick on him, though. In all seriousness, though, they could. They could throw one away too high on him. Just to but kind of make that That also that means you could, you could get a year of LeBron James, you know? You could which probably wouldn't be the worst thing for them. So LeBron James. So Cleveland, Cleveland is, uh, they're performing really, they're nine and one in their last 10 games. 
as I said, longest active winning streak in the league, and they're second. That's five points behind Boston. Boston has kind of separated themselves at the moment, but they're ahead of a team that we're going to talk about that is on Hillbilly's bad surprises in the East. We're not going to start with them, though. Those are Hillbilly's five good surprises. Thunder, Timberwolves, Celtics, Clippers, Cavs, they're all doing really well. They're all top two, three in their conference. Congratulations. Let's go to the bad surprises. Hillbilly and the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, who currently are sitting in ninth place in the Western Conference. We can talk about the in-season tournament here because they are the winners of the inaugural in-season tournament, which I actually, I feel like a lot of people were, while watching it, got swayed over to the side that, okay, this is this is a fun thing to watch. This is a thing that's going to be here for a while because even the group stage games that you watched, the teams played harder. Statistically, the games were closer. And then you get to the Las Vegas, and it was kind of just cool how to watch this the LeBron James playing for a trophy in December. Now, the fact is that has kind of cost the Lakers in other ways, like in the regular season, Hillbilly, because they are 28 and 26 at the moment. Yeah, um, it, it did. It's at least a coincidence. I don't know. I mean, they <laughs> immediately after expending a lot of energy in the in-season tournament, because you know LeBron has to have that trophy. They go on to, they only win like two out of their next 13 games, you know, and they just go right back down in the standings. And then what's really disappointing from a Lakers, if I was a Lakers fan, which I'm, you know, obviously not, but um, oh. if I were, what, what's really disappointing with this team is that they are middle of the road. They've been there pretty much all season. You know, they've, they're in ninth right now. They've typically been right around there, right around this, uh, the 500 mark. Yet, they couldn't ask for more from, for, from a health standpoint than what they've gotten from LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, out of a possible, I think it's 54 games, Anthony Davis has played in 50. You, you can't, that, wow. that's a miracle for Anthony Davis. <laughs> like, I don't, th this may be the healthiest year he's ever had. Uh, maybe he had another one when he was younger, but it's definitely the healthiest year he's had in a long time. Definitely did not expect that. And LeBron's played in 48 games. So they have not missed significant parts of it. And they still stink. Or not really stink, I guess, but they're just middle of the road, which makes you wonder, like, you know, what is their upside this year? You know, and what's the chances that Anthony Davis and LeBron James aren't going to get at least one significant injury between them. And what is a 500 team that the Lakers are going to look like when either one of them misses a significant amount of time? You know, Austin Reeves has been better recently, but, you know, we really kind of thought he was a budding star for the Lakers that they had gotten, you know, stolen in the draft, really. But he had a really rough start to the year. Um, he, like I said, he has been playing better recently, but he's not really developing as that, you know, big time member of like a big three type player that, that, you know, people thought maybe he could be. So it's just been a little bit of a disappointing year for them. LeBron is sending out stupid little emojis or whatever 
you know, at, at opportune <laughs> times to try to get the conversation about him. And, you know, the Lakers didn't do anything at the trade deadline. I don't think they made a single move. You know, it's maybe everything's not happy there. It's just, it's a disappointing year if you're like. Yeah. But then again, even if they are in the play and you just, you can't count out LeBron James, you know, but again, we'll have to see because the injury bug has not affected the Lakers so far, but that, you know, history says it, it will at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So number two on your list of bad surprises, Hillbilly, bad time to be a Laker fan right now. The Pelicans. Pelicans yeah. were sixth. Yeah. And, you know, I say it's because, you know, the Pelicans were one of those teams that were just incredibly exciting for the last couple of years. But it was always that kind of like you get really excited by them, but you're, you, you always left wondering what if because either Zion or Brandon Ingram get injured and always get injured late in the year. And so you never see them. Like last year, you know, maybe right about at this point in the year, they were, or maybe it was a little bit earlier, they were tied for first in the West. And Zion was just destroying everybody. And we were sitting there looking like, could this actually be the best team in the league if they're all healthy? And what are the chances of Zion would ever be healthy? And then this year, you know, again, kind of the same thing with the Lakers. Zion has been relatively healthy. You know, he's played in 42 games so far. For the Pelicans, I think they've played like uh, 53 games. So he's played in the overwhelming majority of games this year for them. And they're still not in contention. They're definitely not a contender. They're not playing like it. Zion's scoring like 22.3 points per game, which is good, but it's not, I guess, what we were hoping we would see if he actually had a healthy year. And you know, the thing that's discouraging about Zion from my standpoint is like, if this is what he is, can we do we really see him as having the kind of um discipline to make himself into an even better player? It seems unlikely. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's a shame because the Pelicans are really well put together. They've got a lot of other really awesome players. They have built their general manager, who's the same guy that was in Cleveland with LeBron. He's really put together an awesome team that's just looking for a superstar to take it over. And Zion even when he's healthy this year, is not filling that role. Now, he's still really young. So, you know, maybe he will grow into it, but he just, I don't know. Every time you turn around, it seems like he's doing something else, but he's only 23 years old, so who knows? Yeah, you never know, but it hasn't looked so great for Zion so far just because of the injuries and the way he's taking care of himself, like you said. I want to move on to this next team, though, Hibbley, because um, you, you like to follow this team a little bit, I think. The third place team in the East, that would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks, by the way, who are first in the league in restricted area field goal percentage and also first in the league in number of coaches this season. They have two. Cool facts, bro. Yeah. Would you like to tell us about uh, what is going on? A team that was second, I believe, in the East when they fired their coach who they hired before the season started and replaced him with a coach named doc rivers. Yeah. Um, well they're, <laughs> they, you know, the, if you watch the box, you're con every time you, you watch one of their games, you're amazed at their record. Cause you're like, how can they have a record that good when they're playing this? 
I mean, the defense has been just abysmal all year long. And I knew that Damian Lillard had a bad reputation as a defender, but man, he has been horrible defensively. Uh, and they just don't have anybody around Giannis and Lillard anymore. You know, Chris Middleton seems like he's going to be kind of maybe about an average to above average player. And then after that, everybody else on the team is below average, I guess, except for Brooke Lopez, who's still, you know, a really good player. They just have not been replenishing the talent. You know, you look at how a team like Boston is managed, where every move they make is a smart move, bringing in t- uh, players that really work out, like Derek White and Porzingis. And then you look at the Bucks, and they bring in Jay Crowder, who just washed out. They bring in Joe Ingles, who's not even on their team anymore. You know, all the moves that they make to try to keep, you know, the team going around Giannis are just not working out. I hope maybe Doc Rivers, he doesn't seem to be the best coach in the world. I mean, record-wise, given the talent that he's had, but maybe he's a big enough name where he can get people to listen to, because if they could just buy in defensively. You know, it's been really disappointing to watch the Bucs, but I still think the Bucs are a contender just because if they could buy in defensively and just get it okay defensively, they've got that one-two punch with Damian Lillard and Giannis that in the playoffs, that kind of very difficult to stop offense, even when your defense is as focused and geared in as it is in the playoffs, having an option like that, that even a totally tweaked defense can't handle that, that kind of thing is really valuable in the playoffs. And so I still think that they could get there. And Giannis has been going absolutely ballistic this year. Um, He's having a fantastic year statistically, but if you watch him, I mean, he cares desperately about every single minute of every game. He's diving for every loose ball, driving the coaches crazy um, because he just plays like a maniac. You can see how much he wants to win again, which makes me a little bit worried for Giannis's future in Milwaukee because, you know, I could see them being a contender if they figured some things out, but I could also see it getting ugly quick. Because they just have so little talent backing them up. And Giannis getting pretty upset about the way things are there. Yeah. Obviously, when you have Giannis on Jacumpo, I think you're going to be a contender. He's third in the league in points per game. First in fast break points per game and points in the paint. But I just... The fact that they fired their coach, who yeah. wasn't there for two, three, four, five years. He was there for, what, 40 games? and they let him go. Now, that doesn't happen very often in the NBA where they fire a coach, and then immediately they hire a new one. They don't just have an interim. The Hawks did it with Quinn Snyder a year or two yeah. ago, but we didn't don't see that out. in the NBA. How, I, have to, I have to know what your reaction was when you heard that they fired Adrian Griffin. Well, I wasn't surprised. I mean, you know, uh, a few weeks or maybe a month before that, you had the incident where Giannis refused to come out of the game, just openly defiant of the coach. <laughs> Just like, I'm not going to do it. And he just sat at the scorer's table, you know, and it was just humiliating for the coach. And you could tell Giannis had already had it with him. And, you know, obviously the Bucks will do anything Giannis wants, you know, to try to desperately trying to keep him in Milwaukee. So, you know, you could tell the writing was on the wall. I mean, you know, the people joke that uh, his brother, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, who's also on the team, is the most untradeable player in the NBA. 
That's like right. you could offer the Bucks whatever you want. They they will not trade that guy <laughs> because they just don't want to piss off Giannis. So it wasn't really surprising to see that. I think they had to make a move. And I mean, things really were not going well. The defense was just awful. He initially, you know, this this coach, he was an assistant coach in Toronto uh, last year, and he was uh, running their defense. And their defense was great, but they had a totally different type of roster on Toronto than we do in Milwaukee, where you have the big, the big bigs, you know, in the middle and Lopez, who's not, you know, as good as he is, he's not the most mobile guy in the world. And he tried to install that same system in Milwaukee. And he just stubbornly kept trying to do it where you have Brooke Lopez, you know, playing up on pick and rolls, you know, not dropping in coverage, which is what he's good at doing. And he's just, he looks awful out there on the perimeter perimeter defensively. It's misusing the talent. And he was just stubborn about doing that. And you could see that he was losing the team. It it was they had I think it was the right move to make getting rid of him. Probably shouldn't have hired him in the first place, but I guess you never know. And I think getting Doc in the middle of the year, I think if you're gonna make that kind of a move, you need to do it with somebody that has a lot of gravity and a lot of reputation like Doc does, so that maybe he can get everyone to listen to him and try to salvage it. It does. So I have to ask you, if you could predict, what do you think is going to happen under Doc Rivers? Because it hasn't hasn't started out so well. They've played seven games since he first yeah. coached against Denver. They've lost five, one, two. They're they're beating the Nuggets right now by sixteen points in the third quarter. So maybe they'll win that one. But it hasn't started out so well. That doesn't mean it's going to, you know, go badly the rest of the time. But what? What would you predict is going to happen the rest of the season? Well, I mean, I think they'll wind up being a good team just because, I mean, Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo are remarkably good. They just, like I said, they don't have anyone around to help. But, you know, at at this point, I mean, you can't really expect anything from the team this early in Doc Rivers' tenure. There's no way that he's installed a system, gotten everybody on board with what he's doing, the, I mean, you just, I think you have to throw, you know, these last couple weeks out. It's really going to be after the all-star break that we'll start to see, you know, when he gets a little bit of time with his team, a break in the games to kind of really get his team the way that he wants it, then we'll start seeing after the all-star break. I just, I worry about that team and I worry about Giannis there. Oh no. Oh no. And that's <laughs> why it's a good time to do our little basketball update podcast because it is the all-star break like after thursday or whatever if you're not playing in the all-star game you've got a week off yeah and even if you are you basically have a week off <laughs> uh, i mean they don't take anything so i don't I, I haven't watched one of those games in a long time because they're just off but but they still have t- a lot of extra time with their teams you know try to kind of restart but your next team on this list is another familiar team that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, maybe not on the bad surprises list, though, is Golden State. The Warriors yeah. are below the Lakers at the moment. They are 10th in the West. They have a 500 record, 25 and 25. Steph Curry is still doing amazing things. If you watch the game yep. against the Suns on Saturday night, where with three seconds left, he catches, has to turn around, shoot a three, and, you know, bank it to win. He's the only player in NBA history who, this season, in a four-game span, 
averaged at least 40 points where he shot 50, 40, 100, 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. And he is first in the NBA in three-pointers made. Gash facts. But as we've talked about with these other teams too, you need players around you to be a good team. And the Warriors have players like Trayvon Green and Klay Thompson. Trayvon Green, you know, hasn't played in every game this season. No, he did miss a couple for, I forget why, you know. <laughs> he punched somebody, I think. Oh, yeah. That, I, was actually, <laughs> I was actually wondering what happened. He did, he did punch somebody on the court. That's oh, why I, I think what was the most recent one was the with, um, oh, I can't remember the guy, where it looked like he was flailing, but it was pretty clear he was actually punching him. That's happened. Steph Curry's still great. They're first in screen assists, I guess, in the league, if that means anything. But the Warriors are 10th in the West right now, Hillbilly. What is, what is going on with Golden State? Well, I think the disappointment for me is that, you know, this was kind of the make or break year for Clay Thompson's recovery. Like, what, what is he going to be now? Um, you know, you've got to, coming back from the kinds of like multiple horrifying injuries that he had mm-hmm. um, successively, like it's reasonable to think that the first year or two back, he might not quite be himself yet. But I mean, we're, we're like three years out from that. now. You know, he's playing the worst. Actually, I think it is the worst he's ever played, even including his rookie year. Just a shell of himself out there. Seems like he's losing confidence. He's getting benched in closing minutes regularly. Um, and he's moping about that, which I don't blame him. I mean, it sucks to happen. And, you know, Draymond being absent, Draymond being the distraction that he is, all those things put together have just caused, you know, a lot of problems for him. The recently they have been kind of turning it around though. Like, you know, you look at them and they're, they've won four in a row, seven out of their last 10. Um, they've been playing much better ball. And what's happened is that they brought Kaminga in into the starting lineup, which is something that I think had to happen. Kaminga was um, Jonathan Kaminga, who I think was like their seventh pick a couple of years ago in the draft. And he's scoring, you know, he looks like he's a mid 20s score, consistent, plays good defense. He's finally giving him that second punch that you need to go with Steph Curry. So, you know, it's been disappointing because it's sad to see the old team go. I really liked watching the Warriors in their heyday. And it's sad to see Clay Thompson go and Draymond Green just shoot himself in the foot over and over again. But, you know, now we are seeing guys like Jonathan Kuminga step up and Brandon Pajemski, who's their rookie this year, has also been playing really well for them as he gets four minutes. He's closing out games instead of Clay Thompson recently. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're on to something and they'll get back to it. I mean, Steph Curry is still, I mean, he is the player. If it's the very, very end of a game um, in the playoffs and it's, you know, tied up or in clutch minutes, who else do you want other than Steph Curry? I mean, he is the greatest shooter in NBA history. He's always confident, never seems like the moment's too big for him. So, you know, who knows? It's tough to count the Warriors out, but, and they are doing better now, but they do have, a lot of issues with a lot of the players on their team this year. I think the issue is that 
they don't have Jordan Poole anymore. And Jordan Poole absolutely killing it in Washington, D.C. Isn't that right, Hillbilly? Yeah, he's having a forgettable <laughs> year. I think Washington was really hoping that they would be able to kind of do a reclamation project on him and burnish up his credentials a little bit by giving him a lot of usage and then trade him back off. But it, he's almost worthless mm, now. No, it, it hasn't worked. So the fifth and final team that doesn't want to be on this list of Hillbilly's bad surprises of the season is Doc Rivers' old team, the Philadelphia 76ers, who are now coached by, do you see these connections, Hillbilly? Adrian Griffin was the assistant for the Raptors. Who was the Raptors coach last season? Nick Nurse. Who's the coach of the 76ers this season? Nick Nurse. Doc Rivers is the coach of the Bucks, and Adrian Griffin was the coach of the Bucks. It all, it all connects itself one way or another. What are you talking about? But the 76ers, 31 and 21, they're nine and a half games back. They're behind the Bucks, the Cavs, the Celtics, but also the Knicks. The Knicks, who I think we're going to talk about in just a second when we get to the trade deadline. They're first in steals per game. Tyrese Maxey is the second youngest player in NBA history to score 50 points in a game and have no turnovers. Jason Tatum was the only one who was younger. He was 31 days younger when he did that. But the big thing is, Hillbilly, Joel Embiid, their best player, who is now injured, might miss the rest of the season, too. What's going on with that? And obviously, if he is missing the rest of the season, that's it for Philly. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, well, look what's happened to Philly since he went out. I mean, they've been, they went from being one of the best teams in the conference right up there with Milwaukee, um, you know, because this was before Cleveland's um, recent surge. They were the ones that were nipping at the heels of Boston. And now they've, they've lost eight out of their last 10 since Embiid's been been down. You know, they're just, it's crushing what happened. Embiid was, I, I, to my mind, I mean, I know that there are some advanced stats that say that Jokic is better still this year in the regular season. I mean, in the playoffs, I'd take Jokic in a second, but just in the regular season. But to my eye, watching them, Embiid was absolutely monstrous this year. I mean, his scoring was just absolutely absurd. I mean, when he got injured, he was, he was scoring over 35 points per game on 34 minutes. Most in the league. Yeah, best in the league. And he was doing it on very efficient shooting. I mean, one of the things about him is that he is like the opposite of like a Shaq or a Giannis that, you know, you foul at the end of the game. He is one of the best free throw shooters in the league. He shoots almost 90% from the line and he's what, seven, two and monstrous. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's incredible to watch him play and, you know, his scoring you know, the, I think it's Wilt that has the all-time record for a uh, scoring average in a year, and it's like 50-something points. You can argue that this is more impressive because Wilt played almost 48 minutes a game. He never came out. He played every minute. If you extrapolate it out from minutes played, Embiid's actually scoring. Well, and the quality he's playing against, too. And, of course, the quality he's playing against, which is something you can never really measure, I guess. But, mm. yeah, I mean, it's... It's absolutely remarkable what he's doing Um, and so much fun to watch. I mean, it's just you're watching just absolute greatness. I mean, between him and Jokic, 
they're just you're watching two of the very greatest centers to ever play the game. I mean, it's got to be reminiscent of watching like Wilton, Bill Walton play. But sadly, you know, he's not there, and it stinks because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have had the Philly on the positive side mm-hmm. as far as you know they're they're a, a a good surprise. They got rid of James Harden. That had to end. It wasn't going to end well, but it did exactly what everybody in Philly was hoping. It was it gave Tyrese Maxey opportunity room to breathe, room to grow and show that he's he's incredibly good. You know, we kind of knew this from last year that you know, he is just a really amazing player, but you know, he has really shown it this year. And so to see all that happening, it's just it sucks to see it. It stinks for Embiid. Embiid's I think he's going to be 31 next year. So, I mean, do we really anticipate that, you know, he's going to be able to continue playing at this level? You know, I would hope so because of how much fun it is to watch, but it just, the whole thing just seems grim. Yeah, I can see why that's a bad surprise because his injury, which Jonathan Kuminga fell on his leg, and so yeah. he injured his discus, and then they were like, well, it might be okay. And then ultimately it needed surgery. And so the fact that, the NBA.com headline is Sixers hopeful Joel and me can return from the injury this season tells you, I yeah. think what you uh, need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, well, hopefully he'll be okay for next year and they'll be able to make a run. The Sixers have some ammunition, you know, with draft capital um, and, you know, good contracts on their team that they can use to get better. And I think they may have made an aggressive move at the trade deadline, but, he had, they already knew at that point that Embiid was out. So I think it kind of kept them from doing it. All right. So Hillbillies, good surprises, bad surprises, as were the NBA All-Star game is supposed to be like the halfway point of the season. We're well past the halfway point of the 82-game season, but it's a nice stopping point to reassess, especially with football, the you know, all the energy that consumes is now it's now gone. So to wrap up this podcast, Hillbilly, I know you wanted to talk about the trade deadline for a little bit. Some of the teams that may have improved over the trade deadline. I know it happened last week. ESPN had their big trade deadline special, which I didn't watch. I didn't hear much about what happened on the trade deadline, except for possibly the Knicks. The Knicks, who are already in fourth in the East, doing pretty well under Mr. Tibbs, Tom Thibodeau. What do you think about New York in the East? Eight games back right now of yep. Boston. Yeah, and playing playing well. Um, they're just it's crazy to see it because of the Knicks that I've known for the last couple of decades, where they've just been one of the <laughs> most poorly managed. They're a lot like the Washington Redskins were with Dan Snyder. I mean, they would just they would chase after old veterans that are blo- that have bloated contracts. And just waste their money on that. Never really build a team the right way. And now it seems like the Knicks are actually doing that. I mean, earlier this year, they made a move with Toronto to get OG Ananobi, who is a defensive menace. You know, one of the very best defensive players in the league. And you put him with Thibodeau, the the very defensively minded head coach of the Knicks. And it's just a match made in heaven. They at the at the trade deadline they they bring in a couple more players on smart salaries. It's interesting to watch how they're building this team, and yet they're still retaining their big knockout or their big uh, home run swing for the off season. In the event that a player gets 
disgruntled with their team. They have, I think, eight tradable first round picks. So they could go after just about any level of player and add it to the team that they have now, which is just built for a superstar to be around it. You know, Jalen Brunson, who, you know, just that name must make every Dallas Maverick fan shiver that they gave him away for absolutely nothing. And he has burgeoned into a guy that really probably should be the starter on the all-star team this year um, over Damian Lillard. Um, Just a a fantastic player, great role players all around them. And then they could add, you know, a big, big talent in the off season. It's New York. You know, people might want to go there, especially as they see that it's finally a well-run team. Like if things were to go completely south, in Milwaukee and Giannis got frustrated, New York could be a destination for him. And New York knows that. And they finally put themselves into position to do stuff like that. And it's just got to be a super encouraging time to be a Knicks fan to finally get through this. You know, how about that? And that's what the league wants too. They finally want the Knicks to be relevant in Madison square garden, you know, and And it looks like they're getting there. Wow. How about that? I will say, before we move on to our final thoughts, one team that we didn't really talk about that I was, I guess I could say, understand why you put the five teams you did under good surprises, but the Pacers, I'd argue mm-hmm. Hillbilly and in Indiana who are hosting the all-star game this year. Tyrese Halberton has basically broken out. He's a yeah. starter in the all-star game this year. He leads the league in assists statistically the Pacers have the best offense in the NBA. They lead the league in points per game, assists per game, field goal Mm -hmm. percentage, offensive rating points in the paint per game, mid range field goal percentage and bench points per game. True. true. But they're six in the East right now, 11 and a half games back. But I really think on the opposite. end, when you talk about the in season tournament, the Lakers won it and they've collapsed. The Pacers were surprised to get to the final. They lost it. But I feel like it's really helped them. Yeah, they're well. They are the league pass team to watch. I mean, they're because they score like 150 points every game, <laughs> and the other team usually scores about 140 points every because um, they're not playing any kind of defense. But you know, their offense has been this historically good all year long, and they just got Pascal Siakam a couple of weeks ago from the Raptors. You know, bringing in an All Star level talent to go along with this team they have. As you say, Tyrese Halliburton has absolutely ascended. I mean, he is the future of the league at point guard. Um, if it wasn't for Shea Gilgis Alexander, I, I think you could make an argument that he's the best young guard in the league right now. And it's, it's a, tons of fun to watch them. They're constantly going up and down the court. It's, it, is, it is a lot of fun to watch them, but they don't play anything that looks like defense <laughs> at all. Um, so it's tough to see them going too far with the things the way they are right now, but it is, it is a lot of fun to watch and and they're definitely on the, on the ups. Oh, there's four teams who have a worse defensive rating than the Pacers, but, um, they're the Wizards, Hawks, Pistons, and Hornets. So yeah, 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 they're, they're down there in the cellar with that. Yeah. But do you think potentially you get into the playoffs they're a six seed right now. They play a three seed. The Bucks. If it was Bucks Pacers right now, yeah. I feel like it could, it could be interesting. Well, and the Pacers have owned the Bucks this year. 
Um, they've humiliated them in, in some of their matchups have just been horrible. So yeah, I could absolutely see that happen. Just a, just a team that I feel like we might be talking about a little bit when we talk in two months for our little playoff preview, the Indiana Pacers. So finally, as I mentioned, Tillbilly, the, uh, the all-star game is happening this weekend in Indiana. It's only the second time that Indianapolis is hosting the all-star game, which I feel like doesn't make sense because the state of Indiana loves basketball first time since 1985. So I don't Hmm. really understand that, but it's happening this season. They put a basketball court in the airport in Indianapolis, which is pretty cool. But the fact that they had to revamp the format this year, bring it back from the draft they had, where the two captains drafted their teams to the East-West. There was one year, it was 2020, right before COVID, after Kobe Bryant died, where they did the Elam ending format at the end of the game. And that was exciting. And then the next year, it wasn't. And I feel like they might be moving away from that again this year. So I I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it... this is not going to help. Oh, East West is going to make everything so great again. No, it's not. I mean, no, they don't just really... don't take it. They're too tired to take it seriously at this point in the season. Like they're just, you know, they're either gearing up for the playoffs and trying to take as much advantage of this week off basketball as they can, or they're on a team that just sucks so bad that they have already checked out and they don't, they already know they're not going anywhere. And it's just, you know, it, the all-star game is just bad. You know, it's, it's, it's what it is. I don't know how, how they can fix it. But, but we have to show that out because that is happening this Sunday. Uh, the only reason I watched last year is because they had the alternate cast with Ernie, Kenny, Shaq, and Charles. And I'll watch anything <laughs> they commentate, you know. So that was actually enjoyable. But the game, mm, the game was The game enjoyable. was terrible. That's terrible. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, Hillbilly, we're kind of at a... Good stopping point in the NBA season with the all-star break happening. A week break is about to happen for these teams. What are your overall thoughts of how the season has gone so far with two months, two months left until we get to postseason basketball, which I know we're all excited about. Well, I think it's been a really great season so far and really exciting. You know, one of the things that we talked about in the preseason was the level of talent that's in the league this year and how it's just more than I I think it's ever been. And it's because you really, you've had those different stages of like these almost generations of players, you know, where you have the, like you, you still have guys like LeBron and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry killing, you know, well into their NBA dotage. And then you have, you know, the players that, you know, like Embiid that are like 30 years old, the players around him, like Giannis, Jokic, and then you have the players that are younger than that, like Doncic and, and, and the other players that are more around 23 years old, but they're all playing at superstar levels. They're playing at a high level earlier and longer um, than they ever have been. So you have all of this talent. But what we're seeing this year, I think, is that the talent is so well dispersed in the league that there's just so much more parity than there has been. Um, in previous years. I mean, you could call Boston Celtics the favorite to win, and they are the favorite. You know, if I had to pick one team, they are probably who I would pick. But I have really big doubts about them. And then everybody else in the East is kind of hovering right around the same mark. 
And then out in the West, you essentially have a four-way tie for first place, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Den- the Denver Nuggets are in fourth place. They are half a game out of first place. So it, it is like it changes every night. I think two nights ago, or maybe even last night, the Thunder were first. You know, it's just it keeps changing. That's just the level of parity in the league right now and how many, how many good teams are being made because of it. And why a team like, you know, the Warriors and the Lakers, where they have these aging superstars that are still playing at super high levels, they're not able to just cruise through anymore because there are so many other good teams out there. It's just a ton of fun to watch. You have the really exciting young teams, you know, like I I keep gushing about the Thunder, but it's just really amazing to think of what they could do with this team, given the amount of draft capital they still have. I just don't think there's ever been anything quite like that. And they've got maybe the best general manager in the league pulling or pushing the buttons on it. Um, So just a lot to be excited about. I think we're really going to see things take maybe a little bit more shape as far as like what teams are actually going to be now after the all-star break leading into what is probably going to be a really good postseason. How about that? You heard her first, y'all. We are just in time, all of us who were absorbed in other sports. It's time for basketball. Hubble has let us all know that it's been a pretty good season, and I don't think it's going to stop being a pretty good season, especially with, as Hillbilly just mentioned, all the parity that we've talked about the last few years, too. The war Since the Warriors dynasty really has ended, I guess, there hasn't been a new one that has grown. You could, maybe the Nuggets, if they win the championship again, you could yeah, start to but they've that, only but, won one this year, and the Nuggets are yeah. kind of right there in the mix. Like, they're they're probably my number two team that I would pick. But it's really close. And the thing with the Warriors, remember, you know, what they were really, really good before they got Kevin Durant, but it was Durant that just put them into that level of good lore, like right up there with the 98 Bulls. But that happened because of a kind of financial anomaly in the league, because of the salary cap just exploded that one year where Kevin right. Durant was available and could do it. It was just, it was a really weird confluence of events to make that. Generally speaking, the parity in the league, it's, it's stronger than it's ever been. Good to know. Absolutely. Which makes it fun to watch a ton of teams. So y'all, there you have it. Our little NBA update at the All-Star break with, of course, our Xander's Fact senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly. Hillbilly, thanks again for coming on the podcast. No, thanks for having me. It's fun. Xander's Facts. Thanks once again to our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, for coming back on the podcast. Once again, he's like, I don't know the official numbers, but he is definitely the most frequent guest we have had on the podcast, and we love it when he comes on and gives us his facts. So that is it for episode 133. Those are all the facts I have this week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you liked the facts that you just listened to on this podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 133, rate and review the podcast. Check us out on all the socials. I'm on threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those at Xander's Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it spreading the facts around here. Tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts. Also, our YouTube channel, Xander's Facts on YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can watch this episode with a nice background while you're watching. It's so nice, calm, cool. Go do that. 
And then check out the Xander's Facts link tree because that has all the Xander's Facts links that you need for where to get the podcast, the newsletter, the YouTube, everything Xander's Facts is on the Xander's Facts link tree, which is linked in this episode's description. So there you have it, y'all. Lots of facts on episode 133 of the podcast. Next week, we are not doing a new episode of the podcast because we've had too many facts recently. I've got to catch my breath. So next week, we're just doing a Xander's Facts flashback. But listen, if you haven't listened to the podcast that we are going to flashback to next week, you might want to listen to that. And even if you have, you might have missed some facts, which is why I always like to do a Xander's Facts flashback periodically, because we have a lot of facts on this podcast. You might miss one. So make sure to stay tuned for that next Tuesday, episode 134. Our next new podcast is coming out in two weeks on February 28th. Usually that'd be the last day of February, but this year... We've got an extra day, y'all. It is a leap year. 2024 means we got an extra day. So February 29th is the final day of February this year, y'all. I don't know why I'm excited about a leap day, but it's like you have an extra 24 hours to do stuff. Like, it's kind of cool. I know it's a Thursday, but either way, I'm excited about that. So stay tuned for episode 134 in two weeks. Our Xander's Facts flashback is coming up next week. But that is it, y'all. That is a wrap on episode 133 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see y'all with episode 134 in two weeks. No religion, no anything. Hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God. He's against guns.